my gosh, Janet, I haven't seen you in 20 years. Hello, and welcome back to the Sleeping Situation Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Ivy. And we're back at the table in the apartment. Coming to you uh, across the internet waves. And it's time for our podcast where we do reviews and we play games and we just generally get off on tangents. Yes, I'm going to turn up the microphone a little bit. Hey, is that better? All right. We'll never know. We'll never know. Um, Ivy, what's been going on this week? Um, first of all, I've been personally victimized by uh, everyone because <laughs> I should be playing Pokemon right now and ignoring all of my responsibilities, and that's what I was supposed to do all weekend, but unfortunately my copy of Pokemon Sword is being held hostage. Please don't hate me. You know that that's how this building is. That it... I do, I do hate you. It's a crime against me. <laughs> it's... For whatever reason... This has happened literally one time before, and there's no reason... I was here when it was delivered. Yeah. That somebody couldn't have come and knocked on the door. I was still here. I, I don't know why they do that, but that's how they do that. Well, I guess I should shut up and deal with it, huh? I, I don't know what to tell you. Well, anyway, I'm frustrated because that's what I was supposed to be doing this weekend. My Grookey is somewhere, just pixels, without a name, without me to love it. I'm upset, Bob. Uh, it's bad. Everything's bad, and my life is bad. But I guess if we're going to move past that, and maybe next week uh, they'll give it to me, maybe I'll never get it. I just, like, I had to walk by copies of it in Target today. And I'm like, I could have a copy right now, but I already paid for one that's supposed to be in my possession. It was supposed to be in my possession on Friday. But oh well, I guess. Um, so, but the reason I was leaving on Friday is because I was going to see a concert with my bestest friend, Tabby. And we drove down to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh? Actually, we didn't even have to go all the way to Pittsburgh. We went to Moon Township which is uh, outside Pittsburgh. And we saw Sarah Bareilles with special guest Emily King, and they were both really good. Um, overall review is that, like, you know how not everybody sounds in person how they sound, like, on the recording? Yeah. She sounds exactly the same in person, but better. <laughs> and it's amazing. Like, one of the best, like, vocal performances live I've ever seen. Hmm. And, I mean, I've always liked her music. I'm not... As big a fan as Tabby is, like, it was her, her dream concert, I think, so I hope she had fun. But um, I am a fan, and I really liked her stuff, and I listened to, like, a lot of her new album to, like, study up, because I knew that's what, like, she was touring. And I like a lot of those songs, and she just, like, sang the crap out of all of them. And I think the coolest thing was even the songs on the new album that I, like, wasn't as crazy about, I like them better now having heard them live. Yeah. So that's always, like, a good sign. Like, I have even, like, a higher appreciation now. Also, she did a really cool thing which um, there was this video that I've never seen, but apparently there was a kid from Pittsburgh who sang one of her songs from the musical that she wrote the music for as part of his, like, vocal lessons or for choir or something like that, and she brought him on stage and sang a song with him, and it was mm. like, he's like a 15-year-old kid, yeah. high school kid. He was adorable, and he did an amazing job, so that was really cool, too. 
Um, yeah, the only downside is that I've never been to a concert where our seats weren't next to the worst person in the entire room. And yep. guess what? Nothing is different. Uh, this drunk girl that was sitting beside Tabby, so only, you know, she was, Tabby was between me and her. Sarah Bareilles plays the piano and sometimes the guitar and sings some songs that are quiet and beautiful. And this drunk girl sang everything really loud and really flat and too fast so she'd get to the next line before it started. <laughs> or, like, you know how singers can, like, do ad-libs or, like, change it because it's live. Yeah. So, like, when you realize that they're doing that, you should probably shut up because you're not singing it right. Yeah. Because you can't sing along because you haven't heard that version just because it doesn't sound like the album version. Well, this girl was too drunk to know that. Unfortunately, and she sang really bad and really loud. We were in the actual last row of the arena. It was like a small college's, like small-ish basketball arena. Like it was big, but it yeah. wasn't like, like you know, going to the queue or something. Yeah. It wasn't that big. There was like floor, and there was like one big section up, and we were like at the top of the big section up, but we were like dead center, like dead center. Mm-hmm. And it was actually still a really good view. Um, but this, that far back, and she kept like screaming, like Sarah. You, oh my god. I'm like, she's not gonna hear you, girl. What do you think you're doing? And the worst part was she would scream during quiet songs. Yeah. Because that's what you do. And she wouldn't just go, woo, she would go, woo, 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 Which was worse. Definitely worse than just going like woo one time. Yeah. That was super loud in the microphone. Uh you know what? Time. I don't give a shit because I'm mad about everything. Uh, so that sucked. But other than that, we had a really good time. And it wasn't that bad of a drive. And we got to catch up. So, like, it didn't even matter that there was a drive because we haven't gotten to just, like, sit and chat and shoot the breeze for a while. So. Yeah. It was good to see her. It was a fun time. And I'm so glad that we went. It was great. Uh, we also dressed in matching outfits kind of on accident, which is fun. Um... Also, I went to, like, a flea market or, like, an antique store type of thing yesterday, and Matt told me not to buy a purple Christmas tree. How sad. So I bought a little white one instead. So he, I, when you texted me, I totally thought you were joking. No, absolutely not. I almost bought it. I, like, I, Ivy sent me a picture of a purple Christmas tree, and she said, can I buy this? Which sometimes you're joking. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, know. I, I My response was, please no. And then she was like, oh, but it would look so cute. And I was like, oh, no. I did want it. I almost bought it. It looked more pink with the lights on it because it had, like, pinkish lights. But when we turned the lights off and unplugged it, I realized it was, like, purple, and I didn't like it as much. And it was also, it was slightly bigger than the tree that sits on our table, but it wasn't as big as it looked in the picture. It was, like, on the table. So it was probably, like, three and a half, maybe four feet at the most. Okay. It looked huge in there. You were like, it's five feet tall. And I'm like, no, it's not because I'm five feet tall, and it's not (laughs) as tall as me. Um, but I got a little, like, two-ish, two-foot or so. How big would you say that little white one is? Two feet? Uh, yeah. Probably, like, a two-foot, uh, white one for $5. And they're selling ones that are similar to it and not even as nice at Target for $8. So, suck it, everyone. (laughs) Um, but I went to Target today and got some cute little ornaments to put on the white one. Because I couldn't find a pink one. So I think I'll just put pink stuff all over the white tree, and it'll be very cute. Um... Other than that, if you'll remember last week, I talked about Avatar The Last Airbender for about four minutes without breathing, and if that wasn't enough of an indication, I went into quick withdrawal from the series. I I needed more. I I hunger for the Avatar, and so I borrowed uh, 
Matt's sister, Emily, has The Legend of Korra on DVD, so I borrowed it and I started it today, and I'm four episodes in and it's already, like, the best show I've ever seen. So stay tuned for, I'm sure, lots of updates on that. Um, I'm already suffering. It already breaks my soul in the best way possible. The characters are really good. The art style is, like, it's the same style, but it looks slightly different. I think the animation looks, like, a little bit cheaper and a little bit more anime inspired yeah. than the other one is, but it's still, like, close enough in the same sort of inspiration that it's not that different, so it doesn't bother me too much. I just think it's not quite as good, maybe, like, 5% worse. Um, but the story is cool because it's the same world, but, like, different characters and, like, slightly in the future. By slightly, I mean it's been, like, 50 years or something. Yeah. Um, because they start out, if you don't want any chorus spoilers, skip forward now. But it's in the very first episode, it's like the first thing they say is, like, Aang dies, and so the next Avatar is going to take over, and Korra's the next Avatar. And you find that out, like, right from the beginning, it's, like, part of the plot, so that makes it different from the first one, like, from the get-go. But then you see Katara's still alive, and she's, like, an old lady, she's, like, 80 or something. Mm. And then, like, I was, I was already okay, I was like, okay, this makes sense, like, it's a way to jump into the future, and, like, what is the story now? So Aang's dead, and he's, like, it's the next person, and we moved on. And his spirit's still alive because you get reincarnated is how the Avatar works. So it's like his spirit's still there and he'll probably show up and like his kids are in it and everything. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm fine. And then it gets to be like 15 minutes in and Katara goes, well, now that my brother's gone. And I was like, absolutely not. I can't deal with this. I need to turn it off. This is too sad. (laughs) Sokka's my favorite character and I don't even want to think about it. I hate it. I'm so upset. (laughs) So we know that I'm going to suffer, and it's going to be wonderful, and I'm going to love it the whole time. So if if that, in the very first, like, 15 minutes of the first episode isn't enough to tell you, I'm in. Uh, other than that, I think that's it. So what are you up to? I have I have two uh, uh, secondary comments okay. about your concert-going experience. Yes. Firstly, um, no one on stage can hear anything. No. Like, I hope everyone realizes They that. also can't see you. So no. put your signs down. Unless you're in the first row, they cannot see you. Yeah. Um, like, playing at Annabelle's, I can't hear anything five feet away from me. Like, if they're using any sort of monitors, like in-ears, yeah. they, you can't hear. So just shut up. She did comment, though. There was, like, somebody screamed, like, over on the side, and she said the funniest thing. That's I should have said that, too. She was hilarious and, like, a great performer, and it was mm-hmm. a perfect balance of, like, how much she, like, talked before the songs and then yeah. just played. Because sometimes she would say a little something, and then the rest of the time she would just like, go right into the next song. So it was a good balance of that. And she was super funny, and she made a joke because somebody screamed over on the side, and what did she say? That was a girthy scream. <laughs> and it was really funny how she said it. Um... Yeah, and and don't be the worst person at concerts. Don't be that bitch with the truly seltzer sitting next to us at Sarah Bareilles. I tell you what. It, like, every time we go to a show, there's always somebody, like, super annoying. Yeah. There was, like, at Courtney and Barnett, there was, like, a guy just filming the whole thing. Um, That's so it, annoying. There was, like, a fat lady sitting on me at Brian Wilson. <laughs> uh, it's just not not a fun time. Also, I've I've heard this several times, and I think it's very interesting. I've heard it from several different sources in my listening to podcasts and interviews and stuff. Um, they say that Japan is the total opposite of that, that they are dead quiet. Like At if, concerts? If you're playing music, they are silent. Like, you know, I prefer it. Yeah. They, <laughs> and they, they said that the thing is that 
everyone, the, like, the musicians always feel really uncomfortable because it's hard to gauge the room. Yeah. Because people are just, like... Right. Sitting and watching. And <laughs> that makes like, sense. Yeah, and they're, like, they're, we're playing and it's, like, are we doing well? Like, it's <laughs> impossible like to us? tell. And then they said, you get to the end of the song, they go absolutely mental. Mm-hmm. Like, scream, lose their minds, and then they're, like... And then they and stop. They wait. <laughs> yeah, and they stop and they wait for the next song. They said it's really weird, but it's like they really like respect. They're there to listen to the music, right? Put my computer on the floor. All right. Is this still on? Are we still good? Can you still hear me? Uh, I also meant to say that I know I'm getting old because it was a sit down concert and I was stoked about it. <laughs> It's not the kind of concert that you really stand up for. We stood up for, like, the last two or three songs. She was like, ah, oh, get on your feet. And we were like, okay. But we sat down for 99% of it, and I was like, yes. Yeah. There was one other annoying person, too, that, like, came over into our row and started talking to somebody during a quiet-ish song, like a piano song, like, oh, my gosh, Janet, I haven't seen you in 20 years. And literally so many people turned around and went, shh. So, like, I have never seen such a public shushing in my life, and I was so proud of every person that did it. Anyway. That's great. Uh, but overall, it was a really good concert, and I'm glad that we went. Okay. Just annoying people. Yes. It happens. Um, so, I guess what's going on with me, uh, last night my band, The Low Siders, uh, played at The Dome in Kent. It's a very strange place, The Dome. It's like, imagine a building... That's shaped like a dome that was built in, like, the 50s and has not been maintained. <laughs> That's what that place is. Hmm. It's very strange. Um, next gig coming up Saturday, December 12th, uh, Hollow Rogues at Buzzbin. Gonna be rockin'. Um, you sure it's the 12th? Uh, what did I say? December 12th? Yeah, it's the 7th, isn't it? Yeah. Saturday, December 7th. You're welcome. At uh, Busman. Um, Friday, uh, I was working on some more recording with uh, my buddy Cam, doing some songs for him. Uh, we ended up working until like 2 in the morning, and then I was like, I, this is, I, it's too late. And then he left, and then I was like, oh, I had a really good idea, I better get it down real quick. And then I was up until like 4. Uh, <laughs> Your body needs sleep. I know. Um, also bought a chorus pedal from Guitar Center. Because we got it real cheap. On the cheap. It's a it's a Boss CE5 for anyone that knows or cares. Classic chorus effect. And I needed it. I think that's about all that's going on. I haven't done too much this week. It's been pretty uneventful. What else have I done? Has anything else happened? <laughs> nothing that... I don't know. Nothing we can talk about right now, I suppose. Um... Hey, so, the one character in Korra has a red panda ferret. Good. And you would love him. That sounds exactly... I don't like ferrets, though. It looks like a red panda. It's just longer. Okay. It looks exactly like a red... It's very cute. All the animals in those shows are like... It's two animals in one. The one king has a bear. And they're like, do you mean a monkey bear? And he's like, no, it's just a bear. And they're like, do you mean a tiger bear? <laughs> and they, they don't get it because it's just one animal. So right. there's like... There's a polar bear dog. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, a monkey or a lemur, flying lemur, whatever. Flying lemur? What's that show it? with the... Zabumafu? Yes. You're welcome. Uh, 
All right, I, we can move on. Okay, uh, now it's time for everybody's favorite segment of all. It's Things of the Week. Things of the Week. We're going to do you some recommendations, so why don't you start? Hey, uh, Disney Plus is out. Hey. And uh, we started watching The Clone Wars, and I love it. It's so good. We're two episodes in, and it's killing me because we decided to watch it together. Um, and uh, it's killing me that I can't watch more of it all the time for and not sleep. And just watch it. Um, but we're going to watch it. And I'm excited to uh, show Ivy it. Yeah. Um, I've heard good things about The Mandalorian. I've not had the time to sit down and watch it yet. You're preempting one of our questions. Oh. Anna asked, what do you think of The Mandalorian so far? Because that's what we should be watching instead of Clone Wars. I, I want to watch The Clone Wars. Um, that's what we should be watching Instead of the Clone Wars. Okay. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't watched it yet. So I... we don't know, but it looks rad as hell. Yep. Um, I've heard good things thus far. I was told it's like a, uh, a a Western noir Star Wars movie, and that sounds awesome. Um, I mean, we can watch the Clone Wars, or uh, Mandalorian first if you want. There's like one episode. There's two now, I think. There's like two episodes. All right, we'll watch that one, and then we'll watch the Clone Wars. I mean, that's what we got the service for. That, that's not true. I wanted to watch Clone Wars. All right. Um, so at the gig last night, there was a band there called Cutler Station, and they're awesome. They have a couple albums out there on Spotify. You can find them. Um, very, like, uh, guitar pop. Uh, it's very, very fun. Um, discovered a couple new podcasts this week. Um, there's one that's called The Bassist Podcast, which I'm, how have I not found that yet? Um, it's a bass player that interviews other bass players. It's my kind of thing. And also, my, uh, my favorite, um, uh, married couple, bass player couple, uh, Yannick Guizdala and Chelsea, I guess, Guizdala now, have a podcast together. And it's called Two Bass Hit, and the first one's out. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's out. And I'll pretty much listen to anything that they do, because they're awesome. Sweet. And I think that's it. I, I don't know anything else. <laughs> I don't know. What uh, what you got? This week, my things of the week include, I discovered a new YouTube channel, and it's by a guy named Scott Kramer, and he basically does, like, commentary-type things, discussing stuff on the internet or just, like, weird topics. Um, the video that I saw first was one where he, apparently, a couple years ago, signed up to run a marathon and then forgot about it and then didn't train and then realized the weekend before that he was signed up to run this marathon. So he made a video a while back, just like a Facebook video, when he wasn't even like a video mm -hmm. content person about like whether he could run the marathon without training or not, and he couldn't. And it made him really sore and like it, it like turned out really bad. But apparently like it got enough shares, you know, this was like 2014 or something he yeah. said maybe. Um that he, like, got on the local news and stuff. And he said since then, people have never stopped, like, stumbling across that video, not realizing that it was, like, a joke. So thinking, like, oh, my gosh, he has no respect for what we do as runners. We are tough athletes. He doesn't believe in... Oh, those people are the worst. Yeah, so he kind of made a video, like, calling out those people, saying, like, I don't know how you didn't understand that I wasn't recommending doing what I did or trying to tear you down by saying that that's what I did. Basically, they were jealous that he got attention for running the marathon, and they didn't. Yeah. And that's his whole point. Like, the only reason I got attention is because I was doing something different than everybody else out there that did train and did it right. Mm -hmm. But they're, they're apparently mad because they didn't get recognized, and no one cares enough that they did it. Um, 
But, I mean, he's funny about it, so that's, you know, that's what makes it fun. He did another one on these, like, weird anti-bullying videos. He did one on, um, you know, somebody said, like, I'm not going to show my kid Cinderella because you don't need a prince to rescue you or whatever. And so he, like, made a statement like that about, like, a ton of different Disney movies. Like, well, you can't uh, watch The Lion King or then kids will start killing their brothers. Or, like, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, as if everything was meant to be taken literally. So, like, he's got a couple different videos like that. He doesn't have a ton so far, but I just think he's really funny. So um, that was a long-winded way of saying that. On Disney+, Plus, I've been watching Lizzie McGuire, which is a great blast from the past. The outfits are horrendous, and that's the best part of it. But mm-hmm. it's actually really funny. And I forgot about all the funny little like graphics they'd put up and like mm-hmm. camera effects and stuff. It's fun. Um, also, been listening to Kingdom Hearts soundtracks while I do my National Novel Writing Month sessions. Uh, that's been helping. Soundtracks are good because they keep your brain focused, but don't distract you too much most of the time, except for when I start sobbing, because it's Kingdom Hearts. Um, Also, the Target holiday decoration section, A-plus this year. I wanted to buy everything today, and I had to hold myself back. And finally, it's peppermint hot chocolate time, and I've had, like, two or three of them recently, and it's it's definitely hot chocolate time for me. And, uh... That's it. So should we do the other question? Well, I forgot about got? I forgot about a thing of the week. Oh dear! I uh, in a breach of con uh, breach of conduct. Um, the you go. Uh, oh wow! Oh my! The YouTube algorithms are very interesting. It's a very interesting time over there, YouTube. Sometimes because sometimes you just get recommended things, and you're like, "Why is this recommending this to me now?" Yeah. Um, and what was recommended to me this week was the History of Japan video, <laughs> which is one of my favorite things on the internet. Um, if you've never watched it, it's absolutely worth the 12 minutes of your time. Um, there's also History of the... It's History of the Entire Universe, I guess. Also absolutely worth your time. Thanks I for checking the, in. I'm still a piece of garbage. Yeah, it's that guy. Um, the... <laughs> My favorite part in the history of the the entire universe is, like, um, there's land, and now there's plants. Can we go on to the land? Or it was like, why don't you go on to the land? No. Why not? (laughs) The sun is a deadly laser. (laughs) That's my favorite part. Very funny. Check it out. Highly recommend. Okay, that's, yeah, that's it. I'm sorry we haven't watched The Mandalorian yet. I feel bad. We gots to. It's time. I, like, this is the one time that we're on track, like, we could be up to date with other people. Right. And I, I want to make the most of it. Yeah, I'm just, I was just so excited to have the Clone Wars back, because they pulled it from Netflix, like, right after I watched it. Right. Um, but they also have the other, the animated show on there, and the the Rebel series, which is also supposed to be really good. You know, so I much hate Star Wars. giving Disney my money. But it's been worth it so far. <laughs> Emma, so... I texted my sister, um, or my sister texted me that she had watched The Mandalorian. I said, oh, I've been watching Clone Wars. She's like, I was going to start that the other night, but I watched the Ethan Stevens movie instead. <laughs> See, like, it's got, I, like, I'm really excited to get through Lizzie McGuire so I can watch the Lizzie McGuire movie. Like, there's just so much. There's, like, Disney Channel original movies on there. They just got everything. And it's oh, like, all of it's good. We need to do, we should do, like... Reviewing bad decoms. Yes, I'm in. Absolutely, we should do like January is uh, decom month. Decom month. <gasps> Guys, send us your send us like the cheesiest decoms. Which decoms do you want us to watch? Even if they're not bad, because they're all like a little bit cheesy in their own way. Like that's what makes say, they're them all decoms. a little bit bad. 
Except for High School Musical, that's a work of art. <laughs> Definitely a I girl singing love songs to her brother, work of art, not cheesy. I, that, I don't consider that a... It is. I, the the I third mean, one's I, the only one that came out in theaters. Yeah, I guess I guess they are. It is. But it's just weird. It was it was just huge. Yeah, I just don't put it in that camp. Because it's a, just a tier above. Uh, High School Musical is S-rank DCOM. Okay. And you can quote me on that. Why is S-rank the highest rank? That, Superior. Oh. Uh, I believe. That just bothers me. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's Why didn't for. they just... Why didn't they just make A the highest? I don't know. Why then, does it skip E and go to F in school? Because it stands for fail. So they were like, well, just leave the E out because we don't need another no, you tier. No, you didn't let me I'm sorry, finish my bit. I'm sorry. Please finish. Why not make A the highest and, and just make that the highest? But these go to 11. Yeah. That's, that's the reason. It's because <laughs> the ones in S rank go to 11. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a very good joke, and I'm sorry Thank that you. I didn't give okay. you a chance. I feel vindicated now. Okay. Vindicated? Is that the right word? I think so. Validated. Those both work. All right. Um, Anna has another question. Um, what are your favorite albums, artists, or songs as of late? Got anything? As of late, I have been listening to uh, the David Bazan uh, Curse Your Branches album. It's amazing. Um I never shut up about David Bazan, and I'm not ever going to. So I guess you're just going to have to uh, deal with me yakking about it. Um, also, that uh, Tim LaFave, Yuri Kane, Bedrock 3 album. That's my official uh, Webtoons reading. I Like, every time I go to read, like, the Webtoons, because I always wait, like, a week or so, and then I get in and check it. Also, there's a new uh, Lore Olympus is out today. Um I've been listening to, like, new jazz kind of stuff. Um, so Like N-U or, like, N-E-W? I don't know. I don't know what exactly how I would classify it, but it's it's the sort of new electric jazz. It's very electronic-y sometimes. Um, it just has a very specific sound to it. But, like, um, a lot, I mean, a lot of stuff I've mentioned before. The Damien Erskine um, live at Portland State University. Um Yannick Guistala live at the 55 bar. He has a new album out. It's amazing. Amazing. Um, What else have I been listening to? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's a good list. Nothing, yeah, nothing like too revolutionary. We had a switch foot night the other night. I think we talked about it. Did we? Did we? No, that was after we recorded. Was that after? Yeah. Yeah, we had switch foot night. That was good. Yeah. I got them on the on the vinyl. On the vinyl? Yeah. Like you watched it on the YouTube? Yeah. Saw it on the Facebook? Is that it? Yeah. Um, I'm in like a weird music place right now. I like never feel like listening to stuff, but then I, I kind of do at the same time. Um, I guess, I mean, in prep for the concert, I did listen to Sarah Bareilles' stuff a good bit, and I would recommend it. Her new album is like... A lot more laid back than her other ones, and a lot more, like, jazzy rather than, like, upbeat. Um, but it's pretty good. There's only a couple songs on there that I was like, eh. Um, what was her big hit? A song called Love Song or Brave are her biggest ones. There was one called King of Anything that was on the radio. Oh, the I'm Not Gonna Write You a Love Song? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes. That's how I thought that was. Also, I've been saying her name wrong in my head. I don't know if I'm saying it right. People say it different. Because I've been putting more syllables in it. 
It's I, either Borealis or Borealis, and I don't know which is okay. actually technically correct. Because I've been saying Borealis. No, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not it. I can tell you that for true. Okay. Yeah, I can tell you that for free. Um, I've been listening to uh, My Chemical Romance because I have the CD in my car. I've been listening to a good bit of, like, Panic at the Disco. I've Panic at, at the, the Disco. disco. Um, Harry Styles' song, Lights Out, is really good. Um, for some oldies but goodies, uh, Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House is really, really good and been stuck in my head. Um, uh, Love My Way by the Psychedelic Furs. There's some good jams. Um, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. I have a lot of playlists on Spotify, and I just put them on and, like, don't pay attention. And they're pretty random, like, just things that I found in, like, the Discover playlist or, like, things I've found wherever. Yeah. Um, that's what I'll go with for now, I guess. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Anna, for asking questions. Yeah. Hey, if you want to ask us any questions, any of you people out there, just send them over however you feel like. Social media, sleepingsituation at gmail.com. Give us a phone call. Leave us a voicemail. Yeah, we whatever, can do that. Whatever you want. You can leave us a voicemail and we can put it on the podcast. I'm not giving out my phone number. We so have anyone that, that, technology. <laughs> that wants to do that has to already have my phone number. Sorry. Um, cool. So should we move on? Yes. Let's do review. Okay. So when Ivy's out of town, like Ivy was out of town, I watch movies that ivy wouldn't like necessarily or wouldn't choose to put on i guess usually ones that i wouldn't like but this time um like westerns and sci-fis and twilight zones and ones that are three hours long yes exactly documentaries i wouldn't Um, like so on uh on yesterday um i got home from band practice and i was feeling cold and sad and i'm like i just need leftover pizza and movies and I watched uh, Magnum Force, which is the second uh, Dirty Harry movie. Uh, and then after that, I was like, well, now what do I want to do? I have some time before my gig. Uh, I think I'm going to watch the first Dirty Harry movie. How come you watched them in that order? Because I wanted to watch Magnum Force. All right. And then after that, I was like, well, I guess I'll just watch the first one. It doesn't really matter. There's, there's no continuation oh, of the story. Okay. Uh, and so me and Ivy watched Dirty Harry. Because Ivy walked in, like, three minutes into watching the movie. Um, so we watched it. Yeah. And now we're going to review it. And um, I feel like this has been a while coming. You have mentioned it a few times. I feel like this At least has in come life, up in the podcast. Here. I think it probably um, has. Yeah. Uh, what year did that movie come out? 74, I think. It's a Clint Eastwood. It is the Clint Eastwood. He looks so young, I don't even know he what does. to do. I'm not used to seeing him without, like... White hair. Yeah. Uh, you want to tell them a small synopsis? Absolutely. Um, Clint Eastwood is uh, Dirty Harry, and <laughs> Harry is a angry, uh, disgruntled cop type guy. Um, he's like an inspector, and you know the kind of cops that wear suits. Yeah. But also shoot guns. Well, that's the thing <laughs> is that he's not really supposed to shoot so many guns. But he does. But he does do that. Uh, and people are mad at him always. Uh, and he's a bit of a jerk, but he's effective. And that's why they haven't fired him yet. Um, but basically there is a, a serial killer who's blackmailing the city for a bunch of money. 
And uh, he's trying to track him down. They send Dirty Harry to catch him. Yep. I say, I'm Dirty Dan. So uh, I'd never seen it. You'd seen it before. Many times. Many times. So what are your overall thoughts? So, yeah, again, this is like one of my Ivy's out of town, get a pizza and curl up with the cat and watch a movie. Um, I said, uh, this is the archetype angry cop movie before it was a cliche. Yeah. Um, I, it's one of the most quintessential Clint Eastwood movies. I love this movie. Good stuff. Yes. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good police movie, um, even if it's not my normal genre. And even I say that, like, I usually end up liking them at least some if I sit down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not always what I would reach for first. But I thought it's, like, a good cop mystery sort of thing, but with good pacing and, like, substance and actually a surprising amount of subtext that I really enjoyed. And it's it's more of a character study. It's as much of a character study as it is an action movie. Yes. That's what I'll say. And that's what I liked about it the most. Um, so to build off of that, what things did you like about it? Um, I I love that. I think the story is great. Um, mm-hmm. I love that it is an action movie, but I would more qualify it as a drama that has action. Or like a thriller, maybe. Yeah. It's, it's not one of those movies. And I think the reason I like these sort of old cop movies so much is that there's nothing... It's not unrealistic. That's what I said. Yeah. Too. Like, there's some of the, like, modern action movies. You're like, there's no way that that person could ever do that. That's not physically possible. That guy should have just died right then. There's no way Vin Diesel can, like, jump out of one car in midair into another one. I was, or whatever I was it is literally going to say Fast and Furious being the prime culprit for this. Yeah, like if you um, like it, it's whatever. But that's it's it's about like what things can you come up with? That's how crazy and how right. much you can outdo the last and one. It's, yeah, and it's, this is not. It's that. not like the superhero movies where they blow up a whole city. Right. Like it's it's a fairly reasonable. Like this could actually happen in yeah. real life. Um, I think the acting is is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Clint East, that's just Clint Eastwood. I think I think that's just how he is, and I think that's why he plays those parts all the time. Um. It's genuinely suspenseful and really engaging. Um, like, there's a couple, there's there's parts in it when you're like, it's pretty unnerving at times, and you're like, really kind of edge of your seat, what's going to happen type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the cinematography in this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's so many, like, just really cool scenes. Um, there's, uh, one of the scenes is... One of the longest, and it's and the thing I love about these 70, 70s movies is they actually had to do the stuff. Like, yeah. Maybe not Clint Eastwood doing it, but somebody did it, yeah. and that's a real camera. Um, the scene when they're in the football stadium, and he's right. standing on them with the gun, there's like a 30-second pan out. From like a helicopter or yeah. something is how they must have done it. Such a cool shot. Yeah. Um, I love the scene when they're on the school bus, when he's driving in the school bus and he looks up and he's standing on the bridge, but like yeah. really far away, but That's you, really you know cool. it's him. But then you see him like in the mirror, what, or they just get closer? Or do you see him in the mirror? It's... Or they're just getting closer to him. Well, there was another cool scene. Right. The other cool scene is, well, they're in the bus showing him on the thing, right? Yeah. Then it cuts back to the, the serial killer's face. Right. And you can see him in the reflection on the windshield. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's like little shots like that I think are just fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's even more of those kind of things in the second movie. 
um, which I'll get to. Um, the music is great. It's like, like imagine 70s cop movie music. It's like that. I mean, just Rhodes piano, bongos. It's, it's killer. Um, I love the character. And I, one of the things I love about this is that he is, he's almost like a tragic hero kind of person. Because mm-hmm. he's kind of a jerk. A lot. And I don't really know if you're supposed to like him that much. Like, yeah. he is the hero, but he doesn't have a lot of heroic qualities. Except, I mean, the only thing is that he's, like, doing it everything he does for the good of the people. Right. But his methods are super awful. He's super mean to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I really like that even though he's kind of a jerk, he's, like, doing it for the people. And he's putting himself in danger on purpose, like, when he doesn't have to, just because he thinks that it'll help. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I liked. Yeah, I would agree with, like, all of that. Also, um, I, have a, I have a thought. Yes. Have you ever noticed there's lots of cop movies set in San Francisco? I've never noticed. I have a theory about this. There's lots of cop movies set in San Francisco, and I'm convinced it's because the hills are so steep. So when the cars come up off the top of the hills, they jump. That I'm, makes sense, I I'm, guess. That's that's like a, a trope that I've noticed, that there's lots of cop movies, <laughs> and there's always scenes where all the cars going up over the, the train tracks and stuff, and whoosh, you're across the... You might be right. I think I'm right. I'm going to have to look into that. How yeah. many cop movies are set in San Francisco? Well, if, if you notice it, somebody else probably I think has there's, um there's a Steve McQueen movie called Bullet, um, which has the famous car chase in it, but I believe that is in San Francisco as well. Maybe that's where mm-hmm. I'm. Maybe that's where I'm getting that. That they're both set there. Mayhaps. I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty pretty scenic town to... Maybe that's the other thing, is that it's, like, very sunny and... And the weather's by... probably, like, relatively nice enough. Yeah, it's, like, nice and it's sunny and you have the ocean, but it's, like, a nice kind of contrast of, like, there's all this crime going on, but it yeah. looks nice. Because New York, you're like, of course there's crime going on. It looks like a dumpster. <laughs> For sure. Okay. Um, what did you like about him? Um, I think that the dialogue is really clever and well-written. Um, a lot of the, like, I wouldn't say reveals or anything like that, but, like, you mm-hmm. learn about the characters through not just, like, them telling their life story or whatever, mm-hmm. but, like, the way they say things or what they choose to say. Um, so I think the dialogue is really good. Um, sometimes my thing with action movies is I get really lost. Like, why are they going here? What are they doing? I don't know what's going on. And I didn't really feel like that too much through this. I think it was, like, well-paced and, like, well-explained, like, mm-hmm. why they were doing what they were doing and, like, why each person wanted to do things certain ways. Yeah. So I thought that was good. Um, good action scenes balanced with, like, quieter scenes in between them. I thought the balance was good. Um, definitely, like, believable, and that's, I think, the best part about it is that mm-hmm. it's not wild car chases that couldn't happen or, right. like, people shooting, making, you know, shooting somebody they couldn't possibly have hit or right. whatever. Um, like, they miss each other. Like, they yeah. let him get away a couple times, and like, yeah, that could happen. Yeah. He like, also he's, gets... he's the best cop in the force or whatever, and right. he still can't, like, yeah. shoot every single person every time. Right. He also gets hurt, which is... Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I something else that. that doesn't happen. Like, he gets the crap beat out of him, and he's several like... Several times. Yeah, and it's like, and he couldn't get up, because he's literally, like, kicked in the ribs five times. Right. And I mean, Because yeah. usually it's like, then they'll drag themselves up, and then it's like, they're fine. Once they get up, they're like, oh, I'm okay. Yeah. But he was, like, limping all over the place and yeah. stuff, so that was cool. Um, 
good character development in, like, several of the characters over the course of the movie, which was cool. Like, mm-hmm. him and, like, his partner, and I'd even say, like, the killer guy. Yeah. Um, developed his characters by the end, and it wasn't just all about the shooting and the blown stuff right. up. They didn't really blow anything up. Yeah, but it's, like, almost, <laughs> it's almost like they wrote a movie. Yeah, and, crazy, and, and they didn't have to Michael Bay the whole thing <laughs> to pieces. Um, Michael Bay is a verb. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I also said I thought the cinematography was cool. There are a lot of really cool shots and, like, the way yeah. they framed things. Um, and, like, just, like, the setup of the shots. Like, when they're in, like, the mill thing oh, yeah. or whatever that is at the end. Um, just, like, cool, cool locations and, like, how they framed stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, so what grievances have you? Um, I have I have very few grievances about this movie. Um, besides the fact that it is pretty upsetting at times. Right. Um, it's not, certainly not the worst movie. Um, I can't handle too much, and it was fine for yeah. me. So um, don't watch this with like your young children, but, right? Um, I mean, it was probably rated R, right? I would certainly hope so. Yeah. Um, I like all those people that were like, "I took my kid to the Joker movie, and they should put a <laughs> warning on these things." And they were like, "Yeah, like an R rating." Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I love when that happens. Well, that's—I mean—they did the same thing with Deadpool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were like, "I took, like, my, I took my kid." <laughs> It's a superhero movie. It's like, no. No. Not. Well, you gotta... I, anyway, sorry. I think that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, oh, another thing that I, I just... Um, is, as far as the... The sort of... His character. I mean, yeah, like, one, I like that he gets beat up. One of the first scenes, he gets shot in the leg. Like, it's it's not... It's a very believable character, mm-hmm. and, you know, he, he pretends to be this, like, I guess he's not pretending. He is kind of this jerk, and he's mean to everybody, but he's also, like, he cares about people, and he'll, like, um, I think it's more in the second one. Well, no, he does in the first one, because he goes to, like, see his partner at the hospital. Yeah. So he's not, like, totally the worst, but he's just, he's mostly just disgruntled, I think, and mm-hmm. upset with the system. Um, the system and just, like, I think people in the world. Yeah. Which... Like, he's just, like, distrustful of people. Yeah. That, again, comes up more in the second one. Um, my one complaint with this, and it's not even a complaint, it's just a, a little bit of a, oh, that was interesting, an interesting artistic decision. Mm -hmm. The scene when they're in the, the football stadium. Yeah. Right? And they do that amazing long pan out that should have been the end of the movie Mm. like like the first time i watched it i was like oh this is the end of the movie he got it he got the confession or whatever right well he he got the bad guy yeah and then it goes on for a while like that scene was so dramatic and that that shot was so dramatic yeah like it they spilled a lot of their beans there i think maybe i mean but i do think it's an interesting plot caveat or whatever yeah. that, like because harry did that then they have to let him off because right, he yeah. tortured him basically or like you know mm-hmm. beat the crap out of him instead of just arresting him basically right, that's why yeah. they get mad so like the district attorney or whatever says like well whether he did it or not we have to let him go because right. of what you did yeah and i think that's like an interesting twist for a cop movie that like he knows that he's guilty but they won't he they can't arrest him right you know what i mean so then it's like well what is he gonna do is he gonna like choose to pursue it on his own or is he gonna let it go yeah and that's kind of what the rest of the movie's about yeah like, which, how are we gonna handle yeah, it from here and like so what is good. my job now yeah yeah 
I mean, it, it's... When no one wants it, him to go after the bad guy that he knows is bad, but they won't believe him. Right. Um, yeah, and the fact that he was, like, pretty much explicitly told, don't do that again, and mm-hmm. then he does it again, but then he gets him. Like, it's a... Yeah. There's a lot of interesting... Um, like, he, he definitely blurs the line between, like, a good police officer and just, a vin- like, a lunatic vigilante that's, like... He's like, I'm going to mm-hmm. do whatever I want because it's these are bad people and they need to be stopped. Like, it's a cool thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that was a weird kind of pacing thing. They they made that seem really dramatic. Yeah, it's like it's very climactic and right. it feels like it. And then you realize that that's not it. I mean, it's one of the coolest Kinda scenes yanks it out from in the whole you. movie. Yeah. But if you think about it, the, the very end is a lot like that as well, just with yeah. a slightly different outcome. Right. You know, it's like that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. In the middle. Yeah. And then by the end, he gets it. Right. So. Um, do you have any grievances of which to air? Um, I came up with a few. Um, some of this, I think, is just f- a result of it being made in the 70s. Absolutely. Um, lots of boobs. If you want gratuitous boobs for no reason, uh, welcome. <laughs> it's it's a 70s. Like, it's, it's not that bad, but, no. I mean, there's... Some of it was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah. And then some of it was just like, you just did that because you could, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I guess that's just a 70s thing, and I'm just Absolutely. like, whatever. That um, happens all the time, especially in cop movies. Yeah. Or like action movies in the 70s. It just, it, it's a thing. Yeah. Like, they go to a strip club. Like, he's following the guy after he gets let off. Right. And he follows him into, like, a strip club place. Yeah. For no reason. Like, yeah. they could have just had him following him in the park, and that would have been enough to understand that he's following right. him. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. I'm not offended it's right. just like, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the scene with, like, when he's looking in the window and she's just standing there. Yeah, that, like, that's that didn't, stupid. That didn't like, need to be in there at all. No. <laughs> um, I think it, that was maybe just trying to, like, make you distrust him a little bit or make you question how you felt about him. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you knew he was... I don't know what that... But anyway. Um, also, it was... It's a little weird to me because... The serial killer guy is obviously mentally unwell, and there's no, like, acknowledgement of that. Like, he's obviously doing terrible things and should probably go to jail. Yeah. But also, you can tell that he's not all there. Like, the character, you know. And there's... That's probably just because they... I don't know. That must be a, a product of the time as well. But it's like, this guy is not doing this just because it's he's definitely got issues. Yeah. So there was just like it was weird to me that they didn't even acknowledge that. It was just like, oh, this guy likes to kill people just cuz he's bad and that's just how he is. I I think they they might have mentioned it more in the beginning. Maybe. I think it, I think it came up. Ivy came in like 10 minutes into oh, the movie. Okay. Um and I think that did come up at one point like that this guy's like psychotic or, you know. Right. But it was still just like Oh, he's nuts. He's just killing people. Yeah, I just, I thought it was a slightly strange way to handle that, but I think that must just be, like, a product of the time. I don't think they really understood it as well back then. Um, Just something I noticed. Um, And uh, I think the ending is really great. Uh, I think it sort of puts together everything that you've been learning about the character from the beginning. Mm -hmm. The fact that he just wants to protect innocent people and it's part of his character because, like, his wife was killed by a drunk driver. Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, a hugely understated, like, subtext is he does it because his wife was killed and she was innocent. So anybody who's, like, innocent, he wants to, like, protect. Right. Um, And 
so I think the end and like him being fed up with the whole system the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I'm the guy they give the jobs to that nobody else wants to do. Right. But what he doesn't say is, and I'm willing to do it. Right. He acts like he hates it, but he actually is like, believes it. it's his duty to do it. Yeah. Because he's willing to. And at the end, when he finally catches the guy, and then he takes out his police badge and he throws it in the river mm-hmm. as if like, you know, my job's not to be a cop. I just want to protect everybody. It yeah. doesn't matter that I'm a cop. Like, that doesn't make any yeah. difference to me. And I, mean, I think I that's, think like, he, a really poetic... He kind of hates being a cop. He does, but but, but he feels, like, a responsibility, I yeah. think. And by the end, he's, like, I finally taken out, like, this horrible, horrible person. And, like, mm-hmm. I think he's conflicted about how he feels about it. And I think he's, like, you know, conflicted about his job. And he, like, throws his badge away. So that's sort of, like, symbolic of... You know, I don't care what they want me to do. I'm going to do what I want and like yeah. do what I think I need is necessary or what right. I should be responsible for. Well, especially I think that was a little bit too like he knows that they're not going to back him on that. Right. I think that's the other yeah, thing yeah, is yeah. that he feels super alienated by the system. Right. Because he's like, we don't need evidence. We don't need. Like I saw it. Or, right. Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. it. Like this guy is. Like, the system is keeping bad guys out there, is right. what he thinks. Yeah. I mean, and, they, they literally let him go. Yeah. And he's just saying, like, well, I don't care what they think. This is what I'm going to do. Right. And I think it's, like, that's an amazing ending, but it's cheapened to me knowing that there are three more movies. Yeah. There, there's four more Four movies. more movies. Yeah. So, like, I think it's amazing on its own. I don't think that takes away from it too much, but I was sitting there at the end, and I'm like, this is so good, but if there's more after this, then it doesn't mean as much. Yeah. Even if they're just, like, totally disjointed, not, like, picking up right where this left off or whatever. If there's more movies and he's a cop in them, that kind of ruins it. Yeah. But I guess it's, if it's meant to be standalone, and they're all kind of meant to be standalone, just yeah. stories, like, using the same character. Sort of like a Sherlock Holmes thing, like, yeah. not all of them lead into one another, it's just a character that you know. Right. I Like, I, I don't even know... If the other ones are even referenced. Right, like, if they don't acknowledge them. Like, I think it's probably okay, but that's just what I was thinking about at the end. Yeah. So, I think that, that, like, cheapens it just a little for me. Even though, like, I've been thinking about the end so much and, like, analyzing the character so much because there's so much to, like, so much going on in him, even though he's just a jerk on the outside. There's so much subtext and so much, like, inner details, you know? Um, oh, I thought of another thing. Are you, are you done with yes, your... Yes, I'm done. Okay. I was going to say, I thought of another thing that I, I forgot to mention um, as far as things I liked about this movie. I think that the bad guy is a great bad guy. Like the serial killer. Yeah. He's just, that's such a good character. Because there's like... Again, it's it's one of those things that happens in, in more modern movies, I think, more. Is that they've cheapened the villain by, one, making him impossible to kill or mm-hmm. to get to. That's the thing with, like, action movies. If it's a monster or something and you can't kill it, it's like, there's no suspense there because right. you know it's going to win. Um, also, I saw th- something that I thought was very interesting that they said that tragic backstories mm-hmm. kill... They're, like, they can be effective if used very correctly. Mm-hmm. But they said they really... Because it, it makes you sympathize with the bad guy. Right. And you're like... Or it's like it lines up too perfectly. Right. Um, This, uh... Oh, sorry. Um, The the killer in this is a pretty... I mean, maybe slightly creepy, but normal-looking dude. Um, He obviously gets hurt. He messes up. He's not a criminal mastermind. 
He's just a lunatic. But he is pretty um, good. Yeah. Like, um, he's very smart. Yeah. He's just not, like, perfect at executing. Right. Haha. Um, uh, um <laughs> Something else I, I thought that was cool, too, is they never mention his name. No, he goes by, like, a code name. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, he, yeah, his ransom notes are always signed Scorpio. Yeah. But they never mention the actual guy's name. So yeah. th- there's an air of, like, it makes it creepier that he's, like, that he doesn't have a name. Yeah. So they've sort of, like... Yeah, in the credits it just said The Killer. Yeah. Um, it didn't even say Scorpio. It just said The yeah, Killer, right. which is kind of cool. Um, it makes it a little bit creepier. Yeah. That you don't know. Like, I've always kind of liked that. Um, you know, that's the thing about, like, that made Darth Vader so good, is you never saw his face. Yeah. Or, like, um, there's a, a movie, uh, Steven Spielberg's first movie is called Duel, and it's... With that's the one with the cars, right? Yeah, the truck driver. Yeah. You never see the truck driver. Yeah. So it's like this air of disconnect that I think is really cool. Yeah, I like that. Okay, I'll stop talking. Um, overall rating, what would you give it? I said, like, an eight or a nine. I can't decide, like... I think it was really good. Yeah. Um... Maybe a nine. I don't. I wrote down eight somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. I would be willing to watch other ones, based on enjoying this one. Yeah. If they're along a similar vein. Um. Yeah, I think it does some cool things with the genre that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's just because there wasn't as much time behind it as there is now on action movies or cop movies or whatever you want to say, mystery, thrillery. Yeah. Serial killery yeah. movies, so it, it kind of did some interesting things with, with the the material, I guess. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I said this is classic, um, classic, classic, classic. Um, it's the quintessential Clint Eastwood movie. I generalizing a little bit because you could say like the spaghetti western stuff is, but I mean, as far as a singular character, it's Dirty Harry for sure. Um, it's just a great sort of noir crime movie. Um, I said, this is, I, I, I wrote this down and then I was like, now I have to unbox this cause I didn't really think about it. I said, it's a great pizza night movie. There's, <laughs> unbox it like a pizza. Yeah. There's some movies that are great pizza night movies, but not all movies, not all great movies are great pizza night movies. And, How so? and, and now I have to, I have to come up with a specific criteria uh, for Pizza Night. Like, Ben-Hur is an amazing movie. It's not a good Pizza Night movie. I wouldn't argue that Citizen Kane is a good Pizza Night movie. Probably not. But, like, um... Uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Great Pizza Night movie. This is a great Pizza Night movie. Uh... I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna put some... I'm gonna put some work into this. This is... This will come back. Okay, Don't have it for forget. us next time. All right, maybe. I'll have it for you next time. Um, I gave it like a solid nine, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, I like the second one better. This is the first movie, the mm-hmm. first Dirty Harry movie. The second one is called Magnum Force. I actually like that one better. Magnum Force sounds like a terrible, like, name. It makes it sound like Magnum Force. Yeah. Check it out. So cool. Right, yeah. Um, it's tremendous. Uh, I also didn't say that there were, like, a couple kind of funny moments. Yeah. And I appreciate that, too, because it's just, again, it's realistic. There is some humor in it. Yeah. And, and it's mostly he's just being a jerk to people. Yeah. But it's in a very kind of, like, 
It's almost like just busting your buddy's chops kind of moments. Yeah. But he usually means it. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a couple great kind of funny moments. Um, mm-hmm. There's one that you actually missed. Um, at the beginning of the movie, after he kills the person, the mayor calls him in. Um, and he says, like, I don't want any business like we had last year at the, you know, at this place. Mm-hmm. And he got, and he says, and I apologize, this is kind of, it's a little crass, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. We are not, we don't give, like, content warnings, but this, um, but he says, uh, oh, when I see, uh, somebody chasing, or when I, when he sees someone chasing a woman with intent to rape, I shoot him. And he goes, well, how can you determine that, uh, he was trying to rape her? He's like, when a naked man is chasing a woman through the alley with a butcher knife and a heart on, it's like, <laughs> I think he says, I shoot the bastard or something, you know, very Clint Eastwood. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just like little, little liners like that, um, that are very funny. Um, the, do you feel lucky punk or do I feel, it's actually, do I feel lucky? It's one of the most... Ask yourself, do I feel yeah, lucky? It's yeah, it's one of the most misquoted movie lines. Because they think he's saying it to him, but right. it's like, yeah. Well, it's one of those context things, too. Right. It's easier to say, do you feel lucky? Because you want to say it to somebody right, else, yeah. 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 I love the, I gots to know. I was going to say, if I've ever said... <laughs> that was my favorite part. I, I, ex- I say that often. I gots to know. I gots to know. Okay, let's That's move a great on. scene. Yes. Review. At situation approved. Yes. Dirty Harry. Watch Good it. Stuff. We gotta watch the second one. I watched the third one too, the same night, um, and uh, it's not as good. <laughs> good to know. Okay, let's move on now. Okay. Um, so now it's game time, and we're going to do a top five. And uh, this was the worst. I had no fun doing this. I thought it was going to be fun, and then I had no fun because it was really stressful. Uh, we are doing the top five underrated, most underrated Beatles songs. Uh, which this is, has to be like the third or fourth Beatles top we've five done we've done. Several different, yeah. We've done worst, worst Beatles songs. Yep. We've done. We did George Harrison George songs. songs. Did we do any other ones? Maybe. I'd have to look. Did we back. rank the album? Did we do top five albums? I think we might have. I think we might have tried to do which albums are best. Yeah. We I'm also, like second guessing my list right now. There's one I kind of um, want to change. We also did single album or double album, single album with the with white, the white album. album. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to preempt this with a thought that I've had, and I've never I'm not sure if I've expressed it on the podcast. Is that the Beatles are somehow the most overrated and underrated band ever? <laughs> Maybe. Because Tell me more. They are. They're so propped up as this corner of world culture, like, definitely the most influential band ever. Yeah. And just these, like, you know, that's there's, like, time before the Beatles and then after the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Like, you can make that argument that there is a... I think so. A, D, B, D, B, C. <laughs> Say some more letters. A, a B, B, B. Um, B, B, A, B, I guess it's... Um, <laughs> And and they're wait say that again what say that again b b a b boop boop bop thanks um, but what I I think they're underappreciated for is just being a really good pop band like they're just because it's you know the songs hold up obviously but they're the dudes playing on those songs it's not session guys 
for the most part. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not like they're bringing in world-class musicians. It's not like other people are writing their songs. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just a really great band. Mm-hmm. But they're propped up as this, like, the Beatles with angels singing and... Right, and you can say that without any context right. to it, and, like, everyone will agree. Right. It's, like, blindly, without even knowing. There's such, yeah. an, there's such an institution yeah. that I think that the, their music actually goes overlooked sometimes. Yeah. So that makes it's sense. It's like the image over, like, the actual music sometimes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're doing top five uh, underrated Beatles songs. We could do top five overrated Beatles songs, too. I got some hard opinions. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but uh, If you want to hear that, I also have at us. lots of opinions about underrated Beatles songs, and there's so many, and I'm sure I, I mean, missed a bunch. First of all, their just discography is, they have a lot of songs, man. Yeah. There's a lot of songs. I mean, comparatively not the most songs. There seems like a lot to me. Ten albums, I think? That's kind of a lot. That's a lot for seven years. I was going to say for less than ten years. Yeah. Um, but, uh, when you don't tour, I guess you have more time, but, like... No, I mean, they were cranking out more albums yeah. when they were touring. I guess so, That's just how still. they used to do things in the 60s. Well, anyway. Um, so, would you like to go first? I suppose I can. I have one that I'm still, like, I wish I could decide. Would you like me to go first <laughs> instead? Well, I don't want you to influence me. Okay. Um, would you like to take a brief intermission while you decide? No, I know Okay, it. all right. Um, I just had a last-minute change of heart. Because I have, like, a long-ish list of, like, honorable mentions, and yeah. I just, there's one that I wanted to change. Um, so I went number five with Rain, and I think the thing about that one is it's definitely less well-known. It was, like, the B-side of something. It's the B-side of Paperback Writer. Yeah, there you go. Um, and the thing about that is is that everybody, everybody and their mother likes to point out, like, you know, when you put on Revolver, it's like you're surprised to hear what it start. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sitar and stuff. Mm-hmm. But Rain came out before Revolver, and it has that kind of stuff in it. Yeah. And no one seems to remember that. It's the first song ever with backwards music. Yeah, on. The, that's what I'm saying. Like the tempo is doing weird stuff, and the harmonies are doing some weird stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, I, it's not my favorite Beatles song. I don't dislike it, but it's not my favorite. But, like, I feel like that's interesting that it gets overlooked because I think it was, like, a single. Yeah. It was, like, a B-side of the single. But then they re- everybody remembers, you know, uh, Revolver. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I think it's that's interesting. A, a, according to the, the, I guess, the zeitgeist or whatever, it's the first psychedelic song. Yeah. So, I mean, that should probably... Some people just don't, like, they just don't know about that song. It's not as yeah. known. Um, so I think that, that qualifies as underrated, probably. Yeah. Um, cool. So number four, I'm going to go with I Will. Uh, I think it's I, a personal favorite of mine, I will say, but also uh, a deep cut that I think a lot of people don't know as much about. Yeah. Um, one of my personal favorite of their, like, love songs. Um, one of their nice, just one voice, Paul just sitting there and mm-hmm. singing. Um, but, you know, you'd think of, like, Yesterday or you'd think of right. Michelle or something. Um, but I think I will is so sweet and, and overlooked. Yes. Um, so I went with I will. Um, Here's a, I have a fun fact about that. Um, uh, it used to be scrambled eggs. No. 
Uh, Don't you love it when somebody tells you that as if you've never heard it before? Right. Um, They're like, did you know? And it's like, yes. Don't you love know. it when anyone tells me anything about the Beatles? And, and I like, have to just be like, how dare you? Yes. It's like, um, don't you like it when they're like, it was the original lyrics, like it was going to be about scrambled. It's like, no, it wasn't. It was placeholders. It wasn't actually going to be about scrambled eggs. Right. Okay. Um, go ahead. There, I just like to yell. There's no bass in I Will. It's Paul singing. <laughs> you have told me that before. Yeah. He's That's just going, do, 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 do. It's really weird. Like once you hear it, it's like, oh, you, oh, That's, <laughs> But yeah, you don't really notice it at Just first. Just ruin until it's that song for everybody. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, cool. So my number three, I went with for no one. Uh, that French horn, man. No one appreciates that French horn solo enough. I think it's a very pretty song, uh, and like them being a band that used strings and used horns and mm-hmm. used stuff like that, like as much as they did. Yeah, I think that one's a little bit overlooked, and it's just a very pretty song. For sure. Um, good. Number two, I went with, admittedly, another personal favorite, but I'm looking through you. Um, I'm looking through you is a secret banger, um, and it's, like, just as good as something like, I'm trying to compare it to, like, I Want to Hold Your Hand or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you know, sort of around that time, a slightly earlier song that was more poppy and whatever, and it totally could have been, like, a radio hit. Yeah. Like those, um, or, like, I don't, like... Hard Day's Night or something. Those sort of songs of yeah. theirs. I'm Looking Through You could have been totally one of those. It just ended up being an album track, and I think it's better than people give it credit for. And uh, should I read my honorables, or should I let you speak first so I don't, like, ruin anything? Should um, I wait until... Like, if you have different ones, I don't want you to, like, say anything now because they're in my honorables. Or do you just want me to read it? Uh... I mean, we don't we usually do it that way? Yeah, I'm just asking. Yeah, you can go ahead. Okay, well, I guess my honorable mentions and the ones that I, like, wrote down and didn't make it in. Uh, Her Majesty, you wish there was more song. Kind of the same <laughs> as, like, Maggie Mae. You wish there was a little more song, because they're fun. Uh, I do. I don't wish there was more Maggie Mae. <laughs> well, I do. Uh, Her Majesty, though, even more. Um, I think Don't Let Me Down is better than people know, uh, yep. as far as, like, a bluesy, harder, heavier song goes. I think people think, mm-hmm. you know, people like She's So Heavy, people like, I don't know, those uh, Helter Skelter, but yeah. I think Don't Let Me Down doesn't quite get enough love. Um, two of Us, one of like... For sure. Yeah. Um, it's like them singing unison doesn't happen as much, especially because that was on like Let It Be, right? Yes. So that's like the last one they did like that when they hated each other, but it came out as cute as it is. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Um, hey Bulldog... I uh, went with And I Love Her. I think that one gets a little bit forgotten. Yeah. Um, I went And Your Bird Can Sing. And uh, I think Penny Lane's a little bit underrated. Interesting. Uh, I have I have thoughts about this. Uh, let, let me do my list. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm just, those are just my honorable mentions. Right, the ones yeah. that I was brainstorming up while mm-hmm. I was doing this. Um, that's how I do my, my, uh, my honorables. It's just anything that I thought of. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not like sitting there like, okay, and now I need five honorable mentions. I don't think of extra ones. It's I, just anything that crossed my mind that didn't make the list. Yeah. I, I wrote down a big list of Beatles songs. I could have probably sat there for longer when I was trying to like get this done. Yeah. So I, I will probably agree with most anything you put. Yeah. Except for there's one that if you have it, I'll, I will disagree. Uh, but we can get there. <laughs> 
Um, number one is Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence is one of their most beautiful songs. It's, like, understated, and I think that's why it flies under the radar. Also, it's buried in the White Album, which is why it goes under the radar, maybe. Um, it's not buried in the White Album. It's the second track. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess that's not right. But, but I think that yeah. that album is in Abbey Road, so I right. think people do pay less attention mm-hmm. to the White Album in general, I guess. Um, it's so sweet, and it's so beautiful, and I just don't think it gets enough love. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because it's, like, a slightly thinner arrangement, maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I just think it's it's better than... Then it gets, so that's my number one. Okay. So why don't you go ahead? Interesting choices. I have many thoughts. Let's, uh, okay. Oh, and it, like, it builds, and I like how it builds. Yes. Go ahead. Um, number five, this sounds a bit like a broken record, um, but, uh, Hey Bulldog is... I mean, talk about a, a song getting buried, um... <laughs> It's on the uh, Yellow Submarine. Yellow Submarine album. Yeah. Um, Jams. Absolute jams. It jams. For sure. And a lot of it is just nonsense, but it's like nonsense that feels good. Yeah. But yeah, it goes pretty hard. I mean, that that riff is undeniable. You can't not... Which part? The dun-dun-bun-dun-bun. Oh, that part. Yeah, it's great. Um... Wow, this hurt me a lot. Number four, Rain. I had it at five. I know. No, that's what I'm saying. I wanted to put it higher. Oh, 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 oh. So it, it hurts I me I thought to you meant like so that low. I didn't say it. I did say it. No, no. <laughs> um, I've, I've, for a long time, I've trumpeted that this is the most underrated Beatles song. Um, but, but then I, you found. But then I did some hard thinking about it. Um, it's the first psychedelic song. It is. And no one knows it. And it, no one knows it because it's on the B-side of Paperback Writer. Um, so Paperback Writer makes it on all the best Beatles' best compilations. Uh, you know, and I don't think that's that good of a song. I disagree. I think it's a banger. It's not my very favorite. Um, just, Rain is such a weird song. Mm-hmm. And just the sort of sonic space that they create is... Was it seems pretty revolutionary for 1965. Yeah, it's because it's weird. Or 66, I think it came out in 66. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, just a great song that I think is often overlooked. Um, number three, this also pained me to put this here. I want you. You think it needs more? I, I, it's, I mean, the most album track, album track of any Beatles album I do love how it just dead stops. That's that's like that, one of my that favorite part things. Appreciated that it does in that. the universe. I guess when I was thinking about it, I was like, "All right," because there are songs that are underappreciated by like non non dedicated into deep Beatles fans. Yeah, like normal people. I call them normal people. <laughs> um, and then there's like songs because like Beatles fans. There are songs that even, I think, don't get talked about enough right. by, like, people like us that are really, really into it. Yeah. So I think, at least among, like, Beatles fans, I think I Want You is appropriately rated. But by the general public, probably not. Maybe. I Yeah. I mean, the people that 
are into it or super into it. Yeah, so, like, that's what made this hard, I think, because... Yeah. I mean, we can appreciate pretty much any Beatles song when yeah. you're when you're a maniac. I, but. I just, I love this song because it's so simple. Yeah. There's one lyric. That's and true. it's a, just a pretty much a blues progression with some weird stuff. And then that, the heavy part, it just like bludgeons you for nine minutes. It's just crazy. You know what else has one lyric? Why don't we, Why do, don't we do it in Rome? I'm surprised you didn't say that one. Uh, I actually love that song, so <laughs> it's appreciated by me. Um, number two, uh, I nearly forgot about it. This one got shoehorned in. Um, I had a bump one, uh, which I'll talk about also. Um, number two, Andrew Bird Can Sing. In my honorables. I believe is criminally underrated. It's a great song. It is, it is It is the definition of a jam. Two-minute pop song. Yeah. It's too short. I wish it was a little bit longer. I. It's not too short. It's perfect. Okay. It's perfect. I'll shut up. <laughs> You're right. It has no chorus, and I'm not sure how that's possible. It just has, like, two bridges. Yeah, that's true. It's a weird, strange little song with the happiest of guitar harmonies. Uh, it's just... It's so sweet and so wonderfully structured and put together and it's two minutes long and that hurts my brain and it's so good um and now honorable mentions um she said she said i think it's underrated jams jams uh dig a pony i think it's underrated again that's one of those ones like if you're a a diehard fan road lorry uh it it is uh (laughs) Properly known, but otherwise, I, I think it's underrated. Don't let me down, for sure. For sure, underrated. Yeah. Um, I love Sun King. I think Sun King doesn't get enough love. Here come the Sun, Sun King. King. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so gorgeous. Besides the, uh, the fake foreign language at the end. Right. Um... Again, it's just like one of those spaces. It just feels like you're floating through a pond somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, harmonies are great on that, too. Great harmonies. Um, I think Paperback Writer is underrated. Well, it's apparently underrated by me. I like it, but I don't know what it is. It's just not my absolute fave. Yeah. Um, all right, I have, I'm gonna, I, have, I have so many thoughts. Um, happiness is a warm gun. Is is the Beatles equivalent of uh, good vibrations, and it doesn't <laughs> get true. any love. Um, I've got a feeling. I think it's underrated. Yeah. Uh, Baby, you're a rich man. I like that song. What a weird song, but it's so catchy and so fun. And again, it it got shoved onto Magical Mystery Tour where everybody ignores it. Yeah. Um, People don't know that's an album. I don't think. Yeah. That's a bit of a, it's a bit of an oddball. It doesn't have a lot of hits on it, I'll say that, but like, uh, like, well-known, like, Strawberry Fields. It does. I mean, Hello Goodbye's on there. Penny Lane, Strawberry Fields. I guess so. Well, okay, the the weird thing about that, it was an EP. It was originally released as an EP, so the first half, the movie half, was the EP. Ah. And then they stuck the movie half with a bunch of singles for the, um... 
Like the I album? I guess the state's release. Because hmm. um, Capital likes money. Um, All You Need Is Love is on Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah, I know. Okay. I am the Lars. Um, I guess you're right. Uh, Things We Said Today, I think, is is a little underrated. Hmm. Not their greatest song. It's a good song. But it's, like, never mentioned ever. <laughs> People don't know it exists. Yeah. Um, You Won't See Me, for sure. Oh, I love that song, yeah. Very underrated. Um, yeah, good The stuff. one I had on my top five list that got bumped was Savoy Truffle. I was sitting here thinking that's your number one. No, it's not. What? Savoy Truffle. That's like, you always say that that's the most underrated one. I'm surprised. That's what I was going to guess was your number one, because you hadn't said it yet. No. Jams so hard. I love the saxophones. are just so gnarly. It's pretty gnarly for a Beatles song. (laughs) They don't have the songs that are, a lot of songs that are gnarly. It's... Ew? Yeah. It it has some some bang to it. Um, What I wanted to say uh, before... I think this is a very strange coincidence of one of their well-known songs being still underrated. Okay. And, and the little pin that I put in your thought is what I'm saying, Strawberry Fields Forever. Like, you said Penny Lane was underrated. Yeah, because I think Penny Lane's got more musical, interesting things going on than people realize. It's super interesting and the and story super is interesting. weird yeah it's weirder than you think yeah and that's why i think it's underrated because they just think oh it's a cute song about his town yeah. i'm like yes but also yeah strawberry field's kind of the same thing exactly it's yeah. i've i've heard arguments that strawberry fields forever is the best beatles song hmm interesting it's just again it's like it's the it's about the closest they ever got to like good vibrations and just like but yeah that's true yeah such a, a i mean it starts with the chorus and it's just there's the weird key changes and time changes and like yeah um just interesting sounds that you don't hear in pop music like it's just such a such a unique record that i just it's like, oh, it's a cute song about, yeah, oh, John went to the field, and oh, how nice. And then you don't... But t- nothing is real. Right. Unless you, like, really listen to it, and you're like, and you're like what is happening here? <laughs> um, yes. So, I, I'll, I'll agree Penny Lane, I don't think, gets the... Again, because it's like, it's a fun oompa song. I just watched a a video while I was doing this, and, like, this guy made a really good point that, like, it resolves to a lot of minors where you'd expect it to be a major, and then there's the key change at the end, but it's the chorus just, like, you know? The, the, yeah, I saw something, um, this video, who did that? David Bennett. David Bennett Piano. I think that's Um, what I just watched. That's a really good, and he talks about that, um, it key changes down for the chorus. But it feels like it's up. Right, and then which is weird. But then it key changes back like up, up to, the to the verses, yeah, and then back down to the chorus. And then when it goes back up for the last one, the ending chorus is in the same key as the verses. Yeah, and it feels so weird. Such a weird. Yeah. No, nobody does that. Exactly. That's why I think it's like, it's just more complex than you realize. Absolutely. More tricky. Um, which means the number one most underrated Beatles song is "Dear Prudence." Really? I I put a lot of thought into it. We done did it. I that song is perfect. 
Yeah. It's absolutely perfect in the sort of atmosphere that it creates. Yeah. In the instrumentation, um, the way it sort of builds to the end with the doubled up lead guitar lines. Mm -hmm. There's actually two drum tracks on that. Oh. Um, It's one of those things that, it's one of those Beatles lore things, is that Paul plays drums on Dear Prudence. Oh. And then the end part, when it comes into the... Boom, bam, boom, boom, is Ringo went back and overdubbed oh. another drum track on top of it. Interesting. Um, I, I think that that song should be propped up with a day in the life as far as otherworldly, <laughs> like, um, that's, there's one, there's, there's a thing that happens. This is, this is a bit of a tangent. And tell me if you've experienced this. There's very few songs that exist that you're like, you listen to them and there's a disconnect from the artist. Like, it doesn't feel like four dudes sat in a room and recorded that song. I see what you're saying. Um, Day in the Life is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Stairway to Heaven has that same kind of levity to it. Although it's not the best Led Zeppelin song, I'll Fight Anyone. <laughs> Um, you could argue Bohemian Rhapsody has the same sort of weight to it. Like, it's it's weird to think mm-hmm. about, like, Hey Jude being a Beatles song. Yeah. Like, it feels like it just came from the universe. <laughs> um, American Pie being another one. Um, like, it's it's weird to think that people actually wrote that. Um, that was, that was a weird tangent. Um, but I think Dear Prudence, in, in the atmosphere that it creates, the way it, it builds as a piece of music, um, really, again, really a pretty simple, structurally normal song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but it fell perfectly from heaven, and we're all in awe of it. Yes. Um, and it's just not mentioned. And I think the White Album is a bit of a a black hole for... Uh, things being ignored. Yeah, that's what I'm like. I just think people know that there's weird stuff on it, so it's overlooked a little. Yeah, I mean, really, how many songs from the White Album are sort of like in the public conscience of of? I mean, I, I mean, have to look at the list. Blackbird. Again. While my guitar gently weeps, probably. Probably. Um, birthday. I mean, maybe. I feel like that's only in certain circles. Yeah. I don't think that's as public knowledge. Yeah, as... there's not a lot of... There's a lot of great songs in that album that yeah. haven't... Don't get the sort of attention they should. Rocky Raccoon. Rocky Raccoon. I genuinely think that's a good song. It is a good song. It's easy to be like, oh, it's silly. But actually, it's a really good song. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many songs. Uh, Sexy Sadie gets yeah. so overlooked. I mean, even While My Guitar Gently Weeps, I think. Is, a little is slightly bit. over the um, happiness is a warm gun for sure. Um, Justice for the White Album. Justice for the White Album. Most of the White Album. Um, okay, that's my list. I'll stop talking now. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. I remember the first time I Number heard that, nine. and I was like, "The hell?" Yeah, you're like, w- you're like, what? What? I'm confused. <laughs> so uh, we done did it. That's it. That's it. Uh, you should tell us your most underrated Beatles songs. Let us know if we got our lists right or wrong. Uh, that it's rhymed, so, and it was great. It's so hard because you could just be like, oh, all of Rubber Soul is underrated. Pretty much. 
Except <laughs> except for the songs that are super overrated. Um, all of Revolver is underrated, except for Yellow Submarine. It's appropriately <laughs> rated. Um, yeah, yeah, there's just a lot to be said there. Yeah. We could talk about Beatles probably forever. Yes, we could. So uh, how about we end it here before we bore everyone to death? Ivy said she's going to make me pepperoni rolls. Do I have to do that tonight? Oh. I thought you. I thought that. Okay. I guess I can. No, you don't have to. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe. If you really want them. Um, but we got to get out of here. So uh, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, feel free to send in your questions, your questions or suggestions at any time that you feel like. Uh, hit us up sleeping situation at gmail dot com or go on to social media. We'll see it there. Um, and uh, yep, have a good week, and we'll be back with another episode next Monday. Tell us what you want to hear. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> no. Stop, you fool. Well, if you do the edit and put it up, I'll make you pepperoni rolls. How about that? Side partnership.